This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories. Hello everyone, welcome to another podcast session by the Kenyan Wall Street. Um, once again, we are going to be discussing about the derivatives market, derivatives trading um, on the Nairobi Securities Exchange. For those of you who are joining us today, derivatives is a new product that came into the Nairobi Securities Exchange. In I won't actually call it new because we are almost turning two years old. Uh, the derivatives market went live on 4th of July 2019. I know it's it's still a new product, so most of you might have not really had an opportunity to invest on the derivatives market. These sessions are made to demystify the derivatives space so that you as individuals can be able to understand this product and also uh, get opportunity to invest on the derivatives exchange. Uh, joining me today are two gentlemen. I'll just let them introduce themselves, starting by our in-house guest, Eric Asuma. Eric. Hi guys, uh, welcome again to the show. I'm happy to be here. Alright, I'll also hand over to our other guest from the Nairobi Securities Exchange. Hi everyone, my name is Rufus Karyuki Gitao, part of the NSE Derivatives team on the business side. And thank you, thank you for welcoming me and uh, lovely to be here. Thanks a lot gentlemen for joining us in today's session. For those who are joining, um, I just want to put this out. I know we had a discussion earlier on with Jeff who was also from the NSE. Um, Rufus, in your own terms, how do you define a derivative? For those who are just listening in for the first time. Um, there is usually the simplest textbook explanation whereby it's a financial instrument whose value and characteristics depend upon the value of an underlying asset. Um, ideally, it's just a contract. If you can just put it simply, it's a contract to trade a financial asset in future. And that contract gives investors opportunities either to hedge, uh, take advantage of uh, fluctuations in value, and ideally profit from underlying price movements. So it's a contract. Awesome. So I think now, guys, it's becoming very clear that derivatives are basically contracts. From both our conversations with Jeff and also with Rufus, we're getting to understand that you're basically getting into a contract at any time. So maybe before we divulge more into the product, Rufus, maybe you tell us what you really do at, at the NSC on the derivative space. Um, maybe uh, on your expertise and also just to give investors a little bit of the profit. So I've been on the derivatives project for the last uh, five years of the NSC. We had been tasked prior to launch um, on setting up of the derivatives market. So that commenced with structuring the contracts, um, creating the ecosystem whereby the contracts will be traded. So onboarding the different players, so your brokers, your clearing banks, ensuring that the NSE itself is ready and uh, well set up and in conformance with global standards towards operation of a derivatives market. So by and large, that was our main role, just ensuring that we are ready to operate a derivatives market. And ever since launch, now we've been tasked with the growth of the derivatives market. So looking for ways in which we can spur liquidity and activity in the derivatives market. Awesome. So quite some skills there, I have to admit. So Rufus, let's just now move a little bit more onto 
onto understanding this derivatives market. Um, you've explained that it's a contract, there's an underlying that's involved. Maybe if you'd give us an example of a derivatives contract and also just as you touch on that, what products are there on the NSE's uh, derivatives market? Earlier on, I know Jeff had mentioned that we have futures. Maybe now if you divulge in and mention which futures are there and then how can someone trade in them as well. As a follow-up to what my colleague had mentioned, um, there are four different types of derivative contracts that are available globally. So we do have uh, what are known as forward contracts, we do have futures contracts, which he had mentioned, there are option contracts, and there are swap contracts. So forwards and futures really are similar. Um, there are contracts whereby one is given the right and obligation to trade, that is buy or sell, a specific asset at a specified price on a specified date. Um, options, on the other hand, give you the right but not an obligation um, to buy or sell an asset in future. Just think of an option like an insurance contract whereby you sort of have like the right to use it. Like if you're sick, you're able to use your medical insurance, but you don't have the obligation to use it. So if you're not sick, you really don't need to use it. So an option contract is that it gives you a right but not an obligation to trade an asset in future. And then there are swaps, which are contracts whereby counterparties just trade um, or exchange cash flows at pre-specified dates in future. As my colleague had mentioned, at the NSE we are currently having futures contracts. Um, and the futures contracts are based off of uh, equities or stocks, put it simply. And this is because the NSE has been predominantly an equities market. Um, since inception, uh, we do have bonds listed, but predominantly we are an equities market. And so since we have a strong fundamental equities market, then it's very easy to tailor futures contracts based off of equities. Currently, we do have two types of equity futures contracts. So we do have one contract based off of an index, um, the NSC 25 share index, and we have uh, futures contracts based off of a select number of single stocks. So single stocks are stocks that have been listed on the NSE, some of the more liquid stocks that we do have there. Okay, very interesting. When when you mention that there are select equities that are listed on the on, on the single stock futures, how many are they? Um, probably should we expect more listings in, in the near future? So. When we started structuring contracts on the derivatives market, we did have to come up with a selection criteria that will guide which stocks will be listed as uh, single stock futures on the derivatives market. So if I can mention the criteria, one, it has to be, of course, NSE listed. Secondly, it has to be a constituent of the NSE 25 share index, and this was just to sort of like give traders a bit of flexibility in terms of how they trade the index and the single stock futures. The third criteria is that the underlying stock has to trade an average of uh, 7 million in daily turnover for six months prior to uh, selection or review. And lastly, the stock has to have a market capitalization of 50 billion Kenyan shillings. So applying that criteria, then a select number of stocks came up. Um, so we do have Safaricom, Safaricom Futures, KCB Futures, Equity Futures, ABSA Futures, EABL Futures, and BAT Futures. Now, to your question about are we looking to add more single stocks, we will be happy to add more single stocks guided by the criteria that I have just mentioned. 
So if any underlying security of stock meets the criteria, then we'd be happy and comfortable adding it to the list of single stock features that we do have available for trading. All right. Um, thanks a lot. Now to move now deep into the trading aspect of the derivatives market. How do we know that I'm making money on the derivatives market? You've mentioned that um, the future contracts that we have on the on the derivatives market, the underlying is basically the stocks that we have on the equity space. How do I make money knowing that if I have a Safaricom contract and also have a Safaricom share, how do I make money into this? Okay, so I'll quickly just walk you through distinction between the equities market or the stock market and the derivatives market. So for the longest time in Kenya, we've known stock markets as places whereby you only make money when you buy a share and the share appreciates and it goes up and that's the only way you make money. However, the derivative market offers or affords investors what we call a two-way market. Two-way market meaning you can make money if the stock goes up and you can make money if the security goes down by a concept known as shorting. So depending on your view of the market, if you buy a futures contract, let's say a Safaricom futures contract, and the price of that contract goes up, then of course you've made money. If you short um, a Safaricom futures contract and the price of that futures contract goes down, then you, you make money. Okay, So you short it or you sell it at a high price and then you're able to buy it back when it is at a lower price. So you make that differential or margin. And I think this borrows, I don't know whether you guys have been following, uh, what happened with GameStop. Yeah. yeah, so if I think that's uh, the hottest story that has been in the financial markets, global financial markets the last, uh, say, three weeks. Mm-hmm. And so the concept of shorting and short selling was well captured there. So the derivatives market affords investors uh, two ways in which you can make money. Um, so if the market goes up and also if it goes down as opposed to what we traditionally had, whereby investors could only make money when they bought a share and waited for that share to appreciate and then make money. Okay. Maybe one more question, uh, Rufus, will be speaking of shorting and going short and going long, looking at the Kenyan scenario, uh, a retailer's side, and then on the other side we have now the institutional guys. How will that scenario work? Who will be the institutional guys? And <laughs> <laughs> um, ideally, I'd say for a well-functioning financial market or marketing, mm-hmm. you need different kinds of investors on board. So there are guys there called hedgers who come to hedge. There are guys called speculators and there are guys called arbitrators. Mm-hmm. So hedgers come into the market to protect their portfolios, their underlying portfolios. Mm-hmm. Speculators come to take a view on the market and look to profit if their view is right. Arbitragers basically look to make risk-free profit. So if there is mispricing between the underlying market and your derivatives market, then your arbitragers um, ideally just mm-hmm. come and make that risk-free profit. As you say, they bring the market to equilibrium mm-hmm. and assist with price discovery and just um, that by and large. Mm-hmm. So to your question about institutional investors and retail investors, you'd find that most institutions are on the hedging side and then you'll find that most retailers um, would be on the speculative side, though it is not cast in stone. You'd find that, for example, I have an, let's say, an underlying position in Safaricom and I'm uncertain about the direction of Safaricom and I choose the derivatives market to hedge. So I might come as a head in the retail, um, as a retail player. However, you find that retailers predominantly come as speculators. 
due to the lower costs in the derivatives market. Mm-hmm. So they take a view of the market and look to profit accordingly. So there's all that interplay between the different categories of players and also they are also market makers. So market makers also come to provide that liquidity for the different players in the market. So for a well-functioning market, it requires that intertwining and that um, cohesion between those different kinds of participants. Thanks a lot, gentlemen. Uh, also now, maybe just to ask you, you've mentioned about retail individuals and retail investors. First of all, are retailers really taking up the derivatives market, in your opinion? And then, what platform do you have for retail investors? I know in our discussion with Jeff, he mentioned that you have an online trading portal, but I just want to understand so that everybody else can pick up speed. Is it web-based? Um, is it mobile-based? Uh, can somebody just sign up? Is it a portal where I would go in and just put in my details and I'll get access to it? And then also, um, how comfortable is it for me as an individual, as somebody who's very new to that market, how comfortable is it for me to access and trade on this portal? Just to answer your first question, um, 99% of the trades that we've currently had on the derivatives market have been retail-based. So it's really been retail players who've taken the product up um, initially, and that's quite encouraging. Um, you know, um, this GameStop scenario story showed the power of retail investors. So retail investors can really create a vibrant and uh, market and can also move the market. So 99% of our trades have been retail and in terms of now access, as a retailer, what you will need to do is first of all have a derivatives account. You get a derivatives account by signing up with a trading member or a broker, simpler terms. So a broker would um, create an account for you. Once you've created an account for you, then you can request for direct market access. So the broker will be required to provide you that direct market access. And once he's provided you with that direct market access, um, then you will be able to access the market. The system or portal is web-based, so you'll just get a link and then you'll be able to access the market, input your username, password, and then you'll have a view of the trading board and then you'll be able to put in your trades. But you'll, the underlying principle is you'll still have to be signed up under a broker who opens an account for you. After that, then you'll be able to ideally just trade for yourself through direct market access. Uh, One of the things that you can elaborate is uh, when NSC usually gives out four months of these derivative contracts on a regular basis. Yeah. Uh, how has the performance been, let's say, of a quarterly period, or depending on how NSC tracks the performance? Okay, so in terms of performance, as you said, most of the trades have been retail. So, as you'd compare to trades where there is a lot of institutional flow, um, the turnover has not been high, but it's been steadily growing. So, we are quite comfortable with the fact that trades on a daily basis, uh, people were able to buy and sell, um, the ecosystem is working accordingly. And it's trading on a daily basis. So for us, the key objective, especially going forward with 2021, will be how do we now ramp up liquidity? How do we ensure that there is um, consistent and heavy um, activity coming onto the market? So for us, really, we are happy uh, where it's at, but we be uh, we are hopeful for bigger and better in 2021. Okay. And one of the reports that came out early in Q1 of 2020. The derivatives market actually outperformed the entire market. 
uh, investors in that market actually rest. Oh, in terms of return. Yeah, in terms of return. Okay. Maybe you can elaborate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, thing with derivatives markets, there's a concept called leverage, and leverage is whereby instead of you utilizing, let me just give a quick example. Let's say you want to buy one million shares of Safaricom. Safaricom is currently at about thirty-six shillings. You'd require thirty-six times one million, so thirty-six million. For the futures market or derivatives market, for you to get that exposure worth 36 million shillings, you don't need to pay up front the 36 million. So you pay a fraction of that in what is known as initial margin. An initial margin is a good faith deposit paid to the NSE and is refundable to the investor upon exit of their position. And the good faith deposit known as initial margin really ensures it's it's for risk management purposes. It, it, it assists the NSE in ensuring that all contract obligations are fulfilled. Yeah, and the sanctity of the market is maintained. So, by virtue of you just applying a small initial margin, you are able to enhance your returns. Um, and this is because, despite the fact that you do not put the entire money upfront, you are still exposed to the notional amount of which you are trading, that 36 million. So any uh, profits and losses are based off of the 36 million, but remember your initial investment was only a fraction of that. Mm -hmm. That's how you're able to enhance your return through a concept known as leverage. Yeah. You've mentioned a very important point of putting in a small margin, a fraction, as you put it. Maybe if you just explain as well to investors, when the contract matures at the end of that period, do I have to pay the entire 36 million? No, 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 no. So ideally, um, you pay that um, good faith deposit known as initial margin upfront, and that enables you to get into a contract, to buy or sell a contract. Okay, but that contract, remember, is subject to daily price movements. Okay, so you are exposed to price risk. So if it goes in your favor, you gain money. If it goes against you, you lose money. So you are required to either receive money on a daily basis. Or required to top up your account if you're losing um, on a daily basis so for you you won't be required to um, ideally pay the entire 36 million mm -hmm. so what you'll just be required to pay is a daily fluctuation in price value so if you're out of the money or if you've made a loss you'll be required to fund that small amount if you've made profits you expect receipt of cash um, the next day ideal and remember that initial margin that we mentioned is refundable at the close of the contract. So if an investor chooses to exit the position, then that initial margin that they've paid upfront to the NSE will be refunded to them, plus any profit that they might have gained. Uh, maybe one more thing will be on, if the trade went against me, does that mean that my initial margin will be low? So what happens is, if you do not pay up the losses that you're required to on a daily basis, um, there are a number of options that are available to, let's say, uh, your broker. So the broker will call you and ask you to top up that daily loss. Um, if you're not willing to do that, then the broker is at liberty to ideally close out your position. Okay. And by closing out their position, remember, the initial margin is held at the NSE and it's against your position, right? So if your loss is there, um, then we'll offset that loss from the initial margin and the amount that will be refunded to you will be less. Yeah. Have you have you had um, 
cases where investors have probably experienced more loss than the deposits they made the initial money. Thankfully with. not. <laughs> Thankfully not. <laughs> we hope that it doesn't happen, but we it's credit to our brokers. They are quite vigilant in terms of risk management and following up with the clients. So we've not had an instance yet, but you know, with added investors onto the market and added liquidity, these are some of the problems that uh, we might have to deal with and um, ideally address going forward. All right. Um, very, very interesting and very insightful. Uh, thanks a lot, Professor. I think maybe just as we conclude the session, I just want to ask you, um, you've mentioned something about you gaining on a day-to-day basis. Now, what would happen if I get into a contract and then it doesn't, maybe say I buy maybe ABSA and then during that day ABSA does not trade. Will that mean on that day I won't have any profit or loss on my account? Or how will you see that? No. So remember, we are trading a contract, yeah? mm-hmm. and that contract has a maturity period, right? Mm-hmm. So similar to bond pricing, whereby we adjust the price of a bond on a daily basis as it edges towards maturity. If a contract does not trade on the futures market or derivatives market, we still have to value it on a daily basis, and that valuation takes into account what we know as cost of carry in days towards maturity. So even if it does not trade, we will still have a settlement price for that day. And from there, you'll be able to know whether you've made money based off of the settlement price for that day, or if you have lost money. And that settlement methodology is readily available on the NSE website. And uh, investors really should take note of that and should ideally familiarize themselves with how to price and settle conditions. Alright, and then also just one final thing from my end. I would really want to know, I'll give an example with ABSA. If I buy ABSA on the derivatives market, and then again, somebody else, probably I buy ABSA say at 9 shillings and, and 50 cents, and on the spot market, uh, on the equity space, it closes at 9.40 yeah. or lower. Which price are you guys going to use at the end of the day? Will you use the price that was there on the equities market, or will you use the price that I traded if it's only one contract that traded on the derivatives market. It's on the derivatives. So valuation is based off of the derivatives market. The only day the spot equities market and the derivatives market will be the same ideally is on maturity. It's a concept whereby spot and futures converge on maturity dates. Because if a futures contract is uh, expiring on, uh, let's say, February 28th, Um, and it's February 28th on the futures market. And it's also February 28th on the spot market. Mm-hmm. The pricing will be similar because time is zero. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe for an in-depth explanation, we'll call you in for another session so that yeah, you can give free. us uh, an in-depth analysis on how this works. Feel I don't free. know if Eric has any other question, uh, just as we conclude. Maybe my comments. Uh, I called my broker yesterday open a derivatives trading account. <laughs> so okay. just our listeners to ask them also to open that derivative trading accounts. Absolutely. I think we'll be giving them more insights in terms of how the market is performing and what to expect. I think that will get us uh, info. Rufus, how many brokers are currently open to trading on the derivatives? So at the moment we do have seven, seven brokers. So we have AIB Axis, Sterling, Standard Investment Bank, Faida, Jengis, NCBA, Kingdom, yeah, those are seven. We do have seven approved brokers, but we're looking to onboard a few more in the course of the year. Okay, thanks a lot, Professor. Maybe some final comments as we conclude? 
Yeah, so just to the listeners and potential investors, don't be afraid of this market. I think it's one of those markets whereby people have had a lot of their weapons of mass destruction. Um, <laughs> derivatives are risky. As you say, there are different types of derivatives and it's how you apply them that will make a difference. You know, it's like, you know, how best you apply something ideally will inform how best it works for you. So it's for you as an investor or as a listener to just familiarize yourself with the product, one, how it trades, consistent monitoring, and then look at ways in which you can profit. As someone said, uh, investing is risky. Again, not investing is also risky. So not looking at these new investment opportunities is also a risk to you. you. You end up missing out on quite a lot. So don't be afraid. Just have a look, and then it might actually be something that might interest you. Alright, thanks a lot everyone. Thanks for tuning in to today's session. I believe we'll invite you first for a few more sessions in the coming weeks so that we can be able to analyze more on derivatives and discuss a little bit on this new product. I'm hoping that the challenge that I'm putting out to you today is to ensure that you have a derivatives account by the end of whichever week you're listening to this podcast. Try and ensure that you have you've contacted your broker and you've had the derivatives account open to you. I believe you can also check out on the description box, you'll definitely see a list of brokers. We'll attach a link where you can get a list of all brokers that can be able to set you up on the derivatives account. My name is Felix Ocheng and I was your host for today. Have a good day.